Hello, everybody. A quite special edition tonight of Sam and the Big Man. Uh, it's not just an NFL podcast night. We're also going to talk college football uh, semifinals, which are being played tomorrow, which is Saturday in Australia, Friday in America on the 31st. We're recording this on New Year's Eve. Without any further ado, we're in different states tonight. It's a very good evening to the great one, Sam Zickman. Hello, Sam. Dave, it's great to be with you. It's, it's New Year's Eve. We're coming, yeah, you're right. We're coming from different places. We're actually coming from different time zones as well, which is which is a bit interesting and different for us, but uh, very excited to be to be chatting NFL and college footy on New Year's Eve as we we depart 2021 and we enter uh, 2022. Although, um, you know, we're all a little bit concerned about what's going on at the moment um, across our country and across the world. We we look to 2022 with uh, with hope. Um, that we are trending in the right direction. Uh, absolutely. Um, Australia, the only country on earth that's got three time zones in standard time and five out of it. <laughs> I still don't understand why there's standard daylight saving, but don't get me into that argument. We'll go ahead. Guys, um, we're going to talk about three things tonight. We're going to talk about the legendary career of the great John Madden. Now, we're going to talk NCAAF, and then we're going to finish off talking about NFL. Sam, I um, was lucky enough to live in the United States in the early part of the 1980s. And I that's what sort of fostered my love of American sport. And John Madden was a giant of NFL. When I think of the NFL for me, there are three or four names that come to mind. Vince Lombardi is certainly one. Um, John Madden is definitely another. His combination of commentary with Pat Summerall was without peer. He was an outstanding, he was the coach of the Raiders when he was 32, won a Super Bowl. He has the best percentage record of any coach in history above 100 who's done 100 games or more. His percentage rate is 75.9, which is getting into the realms of Pat, uh, Craig Bellamy with the Melbourne Storm. Um, but he was a giant. Before I talk a little bit about Madden, um, your your thoughts on all of this? At First of all, condolences to his family. A life well lived and an unbelievable personality. Yeah, obviously condolences to, to the Madden family and you know, really tough news. He's a Absolute giant, um, giant of a, of a personality, and wow, what a what a life he led! An amazing life, full of wonderful achievements that you know most people would only look back and just wonder how he managed to fit it into into one life. But he was he was larger than life in a lot of ways. He was you know he was the voice of NFL uh, for a lot of people. He introduced a lot of people to NFL for obviously Madden NFL um, game. You know, largely a lot of people. Know, got to know NFL through that through that video game, and it was you know it was his it's his legacy really that, that continues on. But you know we a lot of people get lost on the fact that it was you know he was a TV personality and he was a video game you know named after him, but he was also a wonderful coach. Um, you know, playing career probably didn't do what he wanted to, had injuries, and you know got drafted really late, um, got injured, never actually played it down in the NFL, but then went on to be a legendary coach, winning a Super Bowl at Oakland. So yeah, just a you know, a, a tragic loss, but ultimately when you look back on his life, geez, he achieved something, didn't he? He did. Um, he he certainly did. He's, I'll talk a bit more about in the, in the commentary box in a minute. He ran into the steel curtain, and I think Oakland, I think I've, I've read quite a bit about him, went to something like six consecutive AFC championship games, um, and they ran into the steel curtain. Those that don't know what the steel curtain is, the Pittsburgh Steelers won four Super Bowls in the 1970s under legendary coach Chuck Nolan, having Terry Bradshaw at quarterback. And the Raiders ran into them. They were a wild bunch. And this bloke, as I said, coached them from age 32 to age 42. And he'd had enough by then. He'd put on a lot of weight. He was crook. <coughs> Coaching took a lot of stress, uh, caused a lot of stress on him. But he was a fantastic coach. 
but it's when he went into the commentary box. He had a, a commentary um, duo. Um, excuse me, I think you're about to sneeze, but um, that'll come through in a minute. <laughs> excuse me, with the great Pat Summerall. And Sam, I can't explain. I, I suppose I can explain. When you think of worldwide sports commentators that I've grown up with and listened to in my time, there are very few who are at the top of their tree. Phil Liggett um, is certainly one in cycling who's, I think, I miss his cycling commentary in the Tour de France. And when you listen to him doing the cycling in Tokyo, you realised how good the guy was, uh, is. Um, Francesca Kumani, who is an equestrian commentator who does the equestrian Channel 7 Olympics, she's a world-class commentator. Our own Ray Warren, Richie Benno, Ricky Ponty's getting into those areas very quickly. There's a couple of others worldwide. But in football, Pat Summerall and John Madden made the game. Pat Summerall was a very good player. He was both a linebacker and a kicker for Detroit in his time. And his combination with John Madden was unbelievable. And for me, they're the voice of football. I can still go back and listen to their commentary. I've been listening to lots of highlights in the last couple of days to games that I'm familiar with. Them commentating on Barry Sanders and Steve Young and all these people that I grew up with and I was a younger player. Um, I just cannot explain how he was so astute. He explained the game. You, it's, when you, there's so many things that happen off the ball in the NFL that if you don't know what you're looking for, you've got to wait till the commentators go back and say, watch these guards pulling. And Pat Summerall would go, now, John, what do you know about guards pulling? And John and Madden had just come up with 20 seconds. This guy goes here, this guy goes there. And that intricate knowledge of the game was, they were like playing chess. And these guys would explain the game. And for me, my... My love of NFL has got a lot to do with Pat Summerall and John Madden, both of whom are not here anymore. But they were unbelievable personalities. And as commentators, they were without peer. I think they're the best commentary duo I've ever heard. Ever yeah. yeah. And I think it, it goes to show just how much of a legacy he had because he's tapped into different generations of NFL fans. Like for me, my journey of the NFL really started in the early 2000s when I started actually watching the game and really downloading some content around it. And, you know, he was working with Al Michaels at that point, um, doing coverage on, on ABC. But, you know, I was certainly aware of his work with Pat Summerall because, you know, he, he transcended into popular culture as well. Him and Pat Summerall, I think, were on the, in The Replacements, a movie with Keanu Reeves, NFL movie. He was, you know, he was in, in The Simpsons. He was, you know, portrayed in The Simpsons. So he, you know, he transcended sport. Um, and, he, and he went into so many different platforms that, you know, he's, yeah, it's just amazing to think what he was able to achieve and across so many different platforms and mediums and generations. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I'd throw into that list of commentators Vin Scully, the legendary Los Angeles Dodgers commentator as well. Um, there's one or two guys in and around basketball that I think are, are fabulous as well, particularly in college footy. But, uh, no, he... he he really, really, um, something's going on outside here. I'm not sure quite what's going on. It sounds like a screeching cock. Sorry about that, everyone. But no, John Madden, rest in peace, an amazing character. And it please go back, everybody, and just have a good look at to what the man achieved. And uh, yeah, and, and, and what he, he he's, uh, um, what's the word? He's input into the game and he, he leaves the game with an amazing legacy. So. Great to talk with you about John Madden. And as I said, for me, one of the voices of football, someone that created, helped my journey into football from the early 1980s. Sam um, contacted me earlier in the week, everybody else, and said, Redders, we've got to talk about... Actually, he doesn't call me Redders. He calls me David. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes Mr. Redden. Sometimes Redden. Never Redders, actually. That's, that's a seems to be a cricket. You know? um, but uh, Sam contacted me during the week and said, uh, Mr. Redden, we've got to talk about the NCAA semifinals, the college playoff semifinals which are played tomorrow in Australia. So you know what? 
we're going to. So these are the games. The first game is the Cotton Bowl Classic. This has been played at the home ground of Sam's Cowboys, um, AT&T Stadium, the magnificent Arlington, home of the Dallas Cowboys. That's Cincinnati against Alabama. Cincinnati 13-0 and and Alabama 12-1. and And the second game, which follows sequentially straight after that, at the Hard Rock Stadium, it's an interesting venue because this is outdoors. Um, whereas the other game's not, and it's outdoors on natural grass. It's Michigan and Georgia, and goodness gracious me, that that game, I think, is uh, a lot harder to predict, um, but we'll go through the games in, in chronological order. Sam, fascinating day tomorrow. I'll be glued to the television. We're going to do a photography shoot at Coco Cabana early with the wife at dawn, but coming back and... Jeez, you'd want to be out early, David. You don't want to be you don't want to be away from the TV well, for these well, ones. When it's a nautical sunrise, the advantage is now that you're actually at the beach at a bus five. So, um, no, get, getting back to watch these games one after the other. Sam, first of all, Cincinnati and Alabama, I think um, that most people will be favouring Alabama. I certainly am. Cincinnati have been unbelievable this year, but they're running into a juggernaut who's scarily for them have just beaten the best team in the country or the previous best team in the country, Georgia. There's still a few weaknesses there, but can I, I think Cincinnati would need to pull three, four turnovers, not turn the ball over themselves and maybe pull something out of special teams to do it. That's what. That's how much I favour Bama. Over to you. This game, Cincinnati, Alabama, in Dallas. All right, so 6.30, we uh, we kick off in this one. Well, 6.30 where I am, I believe. 6.30 Queensland time, 7.30. 30 Queensland time, so an extra hour earlier. Uh, so you'll be fine, David, by 7.30. You'll have had the photo shoot you'll be back. That's right. Settle in and, uh, and watch this one. Look, I certainly favour Alabama. Um, or I'd say almost by a couple of touchdowns, but stranger things have happened in these games. Um, I'm really excited to see Cincinnati get their opportunity in the playoffs there. They come from a non-Power 5 conference, which is what's even more exciting about them getting an opportunity. And what puts all the pressure on a team like Cincinnati is they ultimately have to go perfect to get here. Because if they lose a game, they're not in consideration. They're probably sitting at a, you know, they're lucky to be ranked top 10 if they lose a game just because of the fact of the conference they play in and the strength of schedule. Fiesta so they go bowl, Rose Bowl, Cheese at Bowl, some other bowl, yeah. That's right. That's right. Fiesta, whatever bowl they get sent to. But it's certainly if, if they lose a game, that they don't get the opportunity that Georgia or Alabama or, you know, Ohio State or Michigan can get, you know, in previous years with losing games. So, I think that Alabama are better across all the positions that matter. I think Bryce Young's the the, the key quarterback uh, in the game. I think Desmond Ritter's solid, but I really do favour um, Bryce Young. I think he's had a really solid year. He's controlled the ball, forty three touchdowns, four interceptions. He's looked after the the footy, and he's got the he's got the superstar to throw the ball to. Um, Jason Williams is an absolute star. Um, he'll, you know, when he chooses to go to the NFL, um, he'll certainly get drafted very high. He's, you know, we're talking 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns this season. So I think Alabama... Round one draft pick, Sammy, would that be in the top... Is Williams that good that he's top 32? I think he is. Are you staying top 32 or even top 10 for him? I would think he goes in the first two, two to three wide receivers. So I think top 20. Okay. So he goes to a team that will probably finish outside the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And look, you could be surprised. He, he's, he probably is a top 10 prospect, but just depends what teams need. We know that quarterbacks get favoured, although there's not a huge amount that are going to be coming out um, at that position. So he, he may well move up. But I, look, I think Alabama are too strong. The strange thing is, David, me and you were both pretty close to writing them off before they went out and, and you know, taught Georgia a lesson. You know, maybe an unmotivated Georgia um, who knew their position in the playoffs and they didn't want to show all their cards. So um, I think Alabama are too strong, but. You know, my sweetheart, and this is Cincinnati. So I actually really hope Cincinnati can put on put up a good show and win. 
Um, but I feel like Alabama are going to be too strong um, at the home of the Cowboys in this one in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, yeah, simple as that. Alabama by, I think, 10. As I said, Cincinnati have got to do the following. They cannot turn the ball over. They're probably going to get something amazing out of a special teams performance, either a punt return or a block field goal or something. They've got to get four turnovers. Now, if you look at Young's figures, he's 43 and four for the year, ladies and gentlemen, 43 touchdowns and four interceptions. I just, Cincinnati have been beyond good. They've been sensational. Um, and as I said, they're getting Alabama at the exact right time. And as remember when what Sam said, Georgia actually had the opportunity to put Pogo Alabama into one of the other bowls that we're talking about and get them out of the top four. And presumably Notre Dame might have gone in or even Oklahoma, but probably um, I'm not sure about that, but Notre Dame certainly would have been looking good. After, but, yeah, after that crazy championship um, championship series of games, it could have been anyone. Probably would have been Notre Dame that got in in the end. Obviously, we know we know what happened with Oklahoma, um, who a state sorry, couldn't get the ball over the goal line. But yeah, very interesting. Really keen to see how that one goes. Um, as we saw with Alabama, the, the defence just really stood up against Georgia and we know how good Georgia are. So, yeah, interesting to watch that one. Um, certainly would love to see Cincinnati get up. I just can't see it happening. Alabama by 10 for me. Um, I think the other game will be closer, but Alabama by 10. Something like 34-24 or 30-20 to 20 along those lines. I think there'll be quite a few points scored. Unlike the next game we're talking to, which could be a... Although this is outdoors in mild weather, this could be a smash-up derby. This game, I think everybody is fascinated in. The matchup predictor actually says Georgia's 66 over, um, 66.5 over Michigan, 33.5. I think that's slightly outside. I, I don't think that's right. Um, this game's being played at the Hard Rock Stadium. And for those that aren't aware, that's the home of the Miami Dolphins. It's an outdoor stadium very close to the water in Miami. As most things are close to water in Miami. The temperatures will be lovely. It's actually 22 degrees in Dallas right now. So it'll be quite pleasant tomorrow afternoon when this game's played. Um, and however, this, this game's in Miami. Uh, look, I think this game, they've got some superb players on either side. There's a potential number one draft pick playing for Michigan, a guy called Hutchison, who's a, a, who's a linebacker, who's a superb player. Um, this game, I think, could be anything. But I, one thing I don't think it'll be, I think it could be quite low scoring, like 21-17, 17-14. I, I think there's a big dependence on going on the ground. And I think that they'll both try and um, run the ball as much as, as, as much as they possibly can. Sam, over to you first here and, and get your thoughts on Michigan and Georgia in Miami. Completely agree. This will be a defensive war between these two teams. Low scoring. I think maximum you'll get teams in the mid-20s, if that. Probably more likely in the teens. This is going to be a battle of superstar defences. Players on the defensive side of the ball stand out here for me. Um, you know, probably beside San Haskins, who, who obviously is a running back for Michigan, I think he's probably a cut above the other offensive players um, who are going to be out there. Um Brock Bowers is pretty solid. He plays. He's obviously on the Georgia side of the, of the ball. Um, yeah. So he's probably got one each. But I don't think either of these quarterbacks, unlike the previous game, where you've got some really solid quarterback play, I think you've probably got more game management going on in this one, which will probably lend itself to, to the lower scoring game that both me and David are thinking. For that reason, I, I think probably a field goal will separate these two. I completely agree. 66%. I don't know where they're getting the people surveying. Must be only down from the SEC teams because I think this is going to be much closer than that. Field goal either way. I probably think Georgia. Probably think Georgia gets the win, and we and we see the rematch between a you know a Georgia who's serious and committed against um, Auburn. Uh, sorry, against um, Alabama. 
Um, but look, love to see the Wolverines get a win. They haven't won a national title since '97. You know, for a proud uh, college like they are, they'll be they'll be really excited to be back. Um, Harbrow gets his first opportunity to take his team into a college championship, and yeah, I, I'm probably thinking 20 to 17, one way or the other. But but I will I will put a pick in, and I think um, Georgia. Look, the brain says that's the right. Um, Stetson Bennett, the Georgia quarterback, is a game manager, as is McNamara from Michigan. They are. They are game managers. They're not going to explode. Uh, both of them have got pretty solid touchdown to interception ratios. Haskins appears to me to be the most important offensive player in the game. And I think that Georgia, whose defence was lights out before they ran into a ramp at Alabama. And remember, everybody, Alabama didn't just beat Georgia. They pogoed them. They belted them. <clears throat> I think that Georgia will have plans for Haskins. I think he'll be dubbed, he'll be spotted every time he gets the ball in his hands. And for that reason and that reason alone, I think Georgia will win 17-14. I think it'll be very close. I do agree. Michigan, I think, had a reasonable schedule. The only thing that made everybody in, in the college football world wake up was when they belted Ohio State. And up till then, I'm not sure if anybody thought Michigan were even the best team in their conference. But no. not only did they beat us at High State, they pounded the tripe out of them in Ann Arbor. They have a rabid fan base. They have one of the most amazing stadiums in all of America in Ann Arbor, 110,000 people. And it, the, Michigan, the Michigan nation is huge, of course, the home university of a pretty decent quarterback who plays for Tampa Bay um, and, and others. But, look, I, I think this will be a old-school game. It's a pity it's not being played in the mud and slush and cold weather, actually. But it's being played in Miami. I agree. I think Georgia and Michigan, I do think that if Haskins gets 100 to 125 yards, Michigan will be very, very hard to stop. Yeah. This game will be won and lost on how they manage the football. I think there'll be a lot of punting. And I think that turnovers will be absolutely doubled or tripled. Any fumbles or any interceptions will be uh, absolutely critical. And so will special teams. But I think that Georgia... I think that'll be a repeat of Georgia and Bama in the in, in the college playoff final. Um, and I'm going for Georgia 17-14. So both Sam and I agree here. We were on Alabama to beat Cincinnati in my case, I think comfortably. And in this game, this will go down to the wire. Uh, it could go down the last couple of minutes, but Georgia for mine by three. Uh, make sure you're watching. Um, this game's on 11.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time where Sam is 10.30. And the game before Cincinnati and Alabama. He's on at 7.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Time. They're on ESPN. They're on, I'll be watching on KO. If you want to watch some really good football with amazing fan bases, the idea of there being 80,000 people at that lunatic asylum in Arlington, holy cow, it'll be sensational atmosphere. It'll be a great day in Arlington. It'll be fantastic. Neutral ground and Bammer. And, and there, there'll be so many people from Alabama there. Oh, my goodness. It'll be like a sea of maroons, Sam. Hopefully they can teach the Cowboys fans who actually make that stadium home how to actually cheer and go over the top for your team because that is something the Cowboys fans don't often do, David. Is they don't, Although they're very parochial and there's a lot of Cowboys supporters around, you go to A&T Stadium and you don't really feel the Cowboys, you know, the lifeblood beating that stadium, but you will, you will tomorrow. Unlike if you go to a place like Kansas City or Green Bay where their fan bases are unbelievable and we're going to talk about them shortly because Sam and I both think at the moment they're starting to separate from the pack. So that we've talked about the late John Madden, we've talked about college footy, on to NFL. We won't talk too much about last week, but we will go through the scores. Um, Thursday night football, San Francisco 17 were leading Tennessee and the Titans showed some enormous ticker 
under duress. They won 20-17 in a meritorious performance in Nashville. Uh, then going on further, some great games on Saturday, Sunday our time. I mean, phenomenal. Green Bay 24 over Cleveland 22. Arizona beaten by Indianapolis. Indianapolis get better and better and better, 22-16. The vagaries of having ESP out of it, ladies and gentlemen, all of a sudden it just, and this has happened, I've got to mute them. It happens every time on these podcasts. We always both go to the same website. I go to the NFL website and mute everything. Okay, on to Sunday footy. Philly looking very dangerous. They won't win their division. In fact, I don't think they can, but they could very well be in the finals. 34-10 over New York. Los Angeles uh, Rams over my Minnesota Vikings, 30-23, despite Minnesota picking up Matthew Stafford repeatedly. In a very important result, Buffalo 33 over New England, 21, that game at Foxborough. Then Tampa Bay took care of business, worked one like 32-6 win over Carolina. The Jets 26 over Jacksonville 21. And for Jets fans, for mine, there's a little bit of hope. Some of the times this year, they've been okay. Atlanta 20 over Detroit 16. A big surprise here. Houston 41 belted Los Angeles Chargers 29. That hurts the Chargers. In a game I watched a bit of, um, Cincinnati 41 over Baltimore 21. And Joe Burrow holding that out 525 yards. Yes, that's right. Chicago 25 over Seattle 24. I think there'll be massive changes at Seattle in the offseason. Watch a bit of this game. Kansas City belted Pittsburgh 36-10. Las Vegas again stood up. Just when you think they're gone, Vegas, they keep on coming back 17-13. In a game that was almost not fair because of Washington's injuries, Dallas 56 over Washington 14. Yes, that's the score. I think from memory, it's 42-7 at halftime. We'll always we'll go back that first as we do, and then in quite a, in a game massively affected by injuries and COVID, Miami took care of business again, playing good football. Miami Indianapolis is playing as good a football as anyone in America at the moment. Miami were not impressive in beating New Orleans twenty to three, but they got the W. Sam, watching Dallas and Washington, it was almost unfair. Um, it was like Dallas was playing a good college side. Washington beset by injuries, but. Dallas were fantastic. I watched the first half of this and they just blew them away. It was a, probably a performance that Cowboys fans have been waiting for. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the Cowboys slumping and obviously they, they broke out um, on the weekend with the performance here. But yeah, really hard to draw too much out of it. It was a second-rate, second-strength Washington outfit. feel a little bit for Washington. They kind of got it together for two or three weeks and then they just had injuries and, and all COVID and so much going on. They just haven't had an opportunity this season. So, look, Cowboys did what they needed to. Daff played solid. He was solid again um, without being brilliant. He probably hasn't had the, you know, the four or 500-yard games that he'd had in previous seasons, but he was solid. The running game's concerning. I think against the good defences, they're really going to struggle um, to control the game because they can't run the ball. Um, Zeke's really struggling and, and Pollard was was quiet, but you know, largely they were throwing the ball. I mean, Dak threw the ball to so many different receivers. Amari looked good. That was solid. Can't draw too much from it, but it's a good win and they're and they're back on track. Um, and I think they're probably, you know, maybe the fifth or sixth best team in, in the league at this stage, which is not going to win you a Super Bowl, but might get them to a conference championship game against uh, Green Bay, perhaps. Uh, uh, okay, let, let's drill down. For mine, the best four teams in the National Football Conference are Green Bay, Tampa, the Rams, and Dallas. Arizona's slumping massively. Gone. Yes, they're in trouble. 
I completely yeah. agree. I completely agree with that. And the Rams have have stepped up now, and the Cardinals have fallen over mostly because of injuries and also <laughs> they've just yeah been a little bit unlucky with some some really big injuries and results not going their way. But they look, they've still got a little bit of time. They're going to make the playoffs, which is you know gives them an opportunity. Um, but I think yeah, the top four have separated. I think the Rams. I think the Rams are the second best team. Uh, Tampa Bay has got a lot of potential, but I probably still elevate the Cowboys slightly above Tampa Bay. So I think that they're your top four. Mind you, I wouldn't want to play San Fran or Philly in the first week. So Green Bay looks like they'll lock up the first seed, and whoever's second and third, it's not going to be easy matchups. No, because Philly are on a massive upswing. You can imagine what their rabid fan base and what is like. Uh, San Francisco should have probably beaten Tennessee, but Tennessee, has, as I said, shown enormous. They just ground out a very tough and committed victory there. Um, I tend to think I'm not sure if anybody's going to win at Lambeau Field. That's the problem. If any, if there's a team that is equipped to beat them in Wisconsin in the middle of January, I think it's the Rams more than the other two. Um, I think the Rams have got good basic fundamentals in everything. They've got explosivity on attack. They can run, they can throw. Um, and they've got a guy in Stafford who's familiar with Green Bay because he, he played so many years in Detroit. Um, Tampa are a good side. They're gonna, Losing Godwin hurts them. Um, they've had a soft draw. And I'm just wondering if Tampa are going to get caught out. You'll remember at the start of the season, I thought I didn't think that Tampa would make the Super Bowl. I stick by that. I don't think they will. I don't think they're good enough yet. But this is the exact time last year when they took off. And remember last year, they did it the hard way. They didn't play any finals in Western Florida. This time, they may get at least one there. So Yeah, and they're probably going to cop Green Bay off a week off too, which is, you know, gives Green Bay an extra time to rest up and plan and prepare. And then I think you're fine. Unless there's an upset, week two will be, you know, Cowboys hosting Rams or Rams hosting Cowboys and Green Bay hosting Tampa. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think that... Um, I'm, I think the Vikings will get knocked out this week. I don't think they can beat Green Bay at Lambeau Field. They did beat them earlier on. It, it means too much to Green Bay because if Green Bay were to get knocked off this week, then they'll 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 drop the top seed likely um, and the Cowboys because of their conference record. So as a Cowboys fan, I'll be cheering as hard as they ever have for the Vikings, but I think that it means too much to the Packers and they've got Detroit in the final game. So this is it for them. If the Packers can beat the Vikings this week, they'll lock up the, the top seed and they'll get a week off. Yeah, look, we've we spoke. We've we've got some some a lot of previews to go because it's getting very exciting. Um, Philly, it's flat out dangerous. They're playing excellent football, and I think that Dallas will be very relieved that they put the foot down at the same time that Philly did and have started to win again. They had this stumble. Philly, poor star the season. They're coming home like an absolute wet sail. And Philly will want the Cowboys in the first week because they know them and they won't yeah, be scared. They're not them scared by them. Yeah, and no, and, and no one wants to play the Rams. So both San Fran and Philly will want Dallas. That's right. If anybody wants to play the Rams, it'll be San Francisco because that doesn't cause them too many issues going to so far. Hmm. Buffalo, great win. Really, really convincing. Um, Houston did some damage to the Chargers. The, the Raiders won't go away. But for separation, Sam Zickman so spoke about this at the start of the podcast. Kansas City, although Pittsburgh uh, didn't play great football and Ben Roethlisberger's pretty much on his last legs, Kansas City are just exploding at the moment. Um, now, did Edwards Hilaire come up with a broken collarbone or was he only injured? Because he felt they said he, he didn't play in the rest of the game, just wanting on those injuries. But Kansas City, I think Kansas City is certainly separated in the AFC. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Um, 
gutsy win by the Titans, which you know really important yes. for them. Gutsy win. They're you know Derrick Henry's a looming specter in that conference. If he comes back, everything changes for everything. Probably- for probably everyone bar Kansas City, I, I don't think they can beat Kansas City, but they'll certainly put up a. I think if he's playing, they get there. They get to that conference championship game. Um, the Bills are rounding into form, and and they had a really impressive win. They, they turned the tables on the Patriots. They learned a lot from their matchup a few weeks ago, which was you know in a blizzard, uh, which is really hard to to gain too much off that. But of all the teams that's besides Kansas City, I think the Colts. I think the Colts are terrifying for everyone because they've got the best running back in the game, um, and Carson Wentz is playing okay. So I don't think anyone anyone wants any part of the Colts. I watched some of that game. There were reviews that were very critical of Wentz, um, and I read that they made a phone call yesterday to Philip Rivers because Wentz may be in danger for this game, which is an amazing call to a guy that retired last season, but they did set call Rivers this week. Indianapolis are dangerous. They've got their fundamentals, especially their offensive line are superb. Um, So just to let everybody know, if the playoffs were played this weekend, this would be the structure. So the AFC is absolutely fascinating because it's moving so quickly. It's stacked. It is stacked. (laughs) Everyone's so good. these would be the playoffs. Kansas City would have the week off and re- go and enjoy some barbecue in, in Western Missouri. Tennessee would host Miami, which would be fascinating. Cincinnati would host New England. And Buffalo have the scary prospect of playing a rampant Indianapolis. Um, that that would be an amazing weekend in the AFC, honestly. Yeah, huge, because the Bengals and Burrow are just like, he's living up to the the hype. He's that guy. He's phenomenal the way he's playing. Really exciting. And the Dolphins, they've, they've done it. They've come all the way back and they've won seven in a row and they control their own destiny. It's amazing. They were one and six and now they just have to keep winning and they're in, which they may or may not be able to do, but the, the future's in their hands for the first time. Um, I think the Patriots are probably the team you want to play. I think the Patriots are falling over a bit now. I'm not expecting them to get through the first week, but I think they'll make it. Yes. It's crazy to think the Ravens and the Chargers on the outside looking in, is it? even the Browns as well from the preseason height. So just sitting outside to my, these teams are on eight and seven in the AFC. Miami, who are in the playoffs based on tiebreakers, then in order Baltimore, the Chargers, and the Raiders, and the Raiders just won't give up, which is great. Given the turmoil that I've been in this year with losing their coach and their best, um, also their, their best wide receiver. Um, look, fascinating games. We'll go through the schedule in a minute. In the NFC, if the finals were played today, there is a lot more separation here. It is totally different in the two conferences. If the finals were played today, Green Bay would have a week off and enjoy the frozen tundra up there in Wisconsin. Dallas will host Philly. Oh, my goodness, would that give the Dallas fans some shivers and the Dallas coaching staff? Los Angeles would host... So there's two divisional rivalries. Los Angeles Rams would host the Niners, uh, and that game would be at SoFi. And I think that Los Angeles wouldn't be uncomfortable with that. And Tampa would be very comfortable with playing the way the Cardinals are playing at the moment. And the Cardinals are actually in the playoffs. Despite slumping, they're in. So it's in order. Green Bay, Dallas, LA, Tampa, Arizona, San Francisco, Philadelphia. Sitting outside, there are only three teams, I think, left in it. And that's Minnesota, Atlanta, and New Orleans. How Atlanta have gone there, I don't... They've actually played... Sam's actually been on them in recent weeks. They've been playing decent footy. I don't mind them. I don't mind them. They're just just terrible in the red zone. I just don't get it. They they, they go all right from time to time. There's there's two teams that I... Sometimes you forget that they're still in contention, and that's 
the Raiders, which you've talked about, and the other is the Falcons. Like, how is it possible that they're still in contention? This seventh seed and this odd season we've got um, being, you know, the extra week in length is just throwing up some curveballs. But I reckon I've written the Raiders off 12 times this year and they're still there. Okay, onto the schedule for this weekend. Now, please note everybody the following. There is no Thursday night football. We're recording this on a Friday night um, in, in, in Australia, but there is no Thursday night football. There's no Friday night football and there's no Saturday football because college football's back on. So everybody is playing on Sunday other than Monday night football, which makes this a fascinating weekend. It'll just be a dream. Public holiday in Australia on the Monday. There's football left, right and centre. The early set of games. So these are five o'clock our time. Philly at Washington. The Los Angeles Rams at Baltimore. Tampa Bay at New York Jets. Miami at Tennessee. That's a massive game for Miami. Jacksonville at New England. Las Vegas at Indianapolis. And it's Las Vegas' last chance. If Vegas can pull that off, they might get themselves a finals berth. I don't think they will. Kansas City at Cincinnati. That's a beauty. New York at Chicago. That's one game that means nothing. Atlanta and Buffalo. Atlanta's got to go and win. Houston at San Francisco. Denver at the Chargers. Divisional rivalries here mostly. Carolina at New Orleans. Detroit at Seattle. That's one game that means nothing. Arizona and Dallas. So they're the later. these are the later games. Arizona and Dallas at 25 past eight. Our time, that's a huge game for both clubs. And then um, the, probably the most important game in the last five years in the history of the Vikings, because if they lose this and they get pogoed, Coach Gorn, massive changes. Minnesota at Green Bay. And the Monday night game, um, is has a slight bit of interest if Cleveland can hang on and Pittsburgh as well because Pittsburgh, remember, are 7-7-1. Seven, seven and one. It's Cleveland and Pittsburgh. It's a send-off game for Big Ben. Send-off game for Big Ben, it is indeed. Let's just drill down a little bit. Interesting here. matchups here, David. I'm really glad that your your team get to play in the in the time slot all along because there are so many games on because there's obviously no, no, no games outside, you know, the, the Sunday and the Monday in the States. There's so many games on. So you kind of hit one of those early windows and you're up against seven other games. So I'm really glad to see that they'll be the best game of the week in terms of importance. The Minnesota Green Bay game sits there at 11, 11.20, which will be well, 11.20 for me, um, 12.20 yep. for, for those um, further down south. But really keen to see that one. Miami, we just talked about the fact that they've, oh. they've got their destiny in their own hands and then whack, they've got Indianapolis and next week New England. So... Um, a lot. Uh, Miami's got, sorry, Miami's got Tennessee on my schedule. Sorry, Tennessee. Sorry, Tennessee. But Vegas has got Indy at Lucas Oil. But yep. yes, but Miami have to keep winning. That's as simple as that. They don't have a choice. That AFC is so stacked that the, you, if one of or two of these teams lose, the, the whole finals picture changes. There's probably five teams that it's last chance to lose. So you've got Atlanta. If they lose, you'd think they're gone. Miami could almost be the same, even though they're in. Vegas, the same. Baltimore. Baltimore have to win. Um, Philly you know, don't. Philly don't have to win, but they will. Washington are a shadow of a side. The Chargers, the Chargers are probably done already, but they certainly have to beat Denver. Um, New Orleans, you'd think they'll beat Carolina, but they're their last chance as well. And Minnesota. So there's, you know, although there's a lot of teams in contention right now, there's probably six or seven that may not be this time next week. Absolutely. Um, and just looking ahead, just um, because these will be divisional games, I'm going to, and we'll talk about this again next week, but I think this is fascinating to have a look at. So they're, they're back. Um, they haven't decided. That's interesting. That's really interesting, Stan. They must have had a couple of... On the schedule I have, they've got a couple of games 
scheduled for Saturday with TBD, but maybe they won't go ahead with it. I'm not sure. So yeah, and, and they've got the flex game. They haven't decided on their, their, their night game either. Yes, so the schedule for the last... Then these will all be divisional rivals is Dallas at Philly. Oh, my God. Big game for Philly. Green Bay at Detroit. Indianapolis at Jacksonville. And that'll confirm their place in the finals. Washington at New York. That game will be meaningless. Chicago at Minnesota will only be meaningful if Minnesota somehow defeat Green Bay. Carolina at Tampa is just a warm-up game for Tampa. New England at Miami, big, big. New Orleans at Atlanta, possible of being important. Tennessee at Houston is not overly important. Pittsburgh at Baltimore, if the Ravens are still hanging on, maybe. New York at Buffalo, Buffalo will win that. Cincy and Cleveland, Ohio Derby, big game. Then we start to get really serious. The Chargers at the Raiders, one of those two will be alive, I would think. Kansas City at Denver getting ready, getting warm. San Francisco at Los Angeles, that could be a precursor of a final twice in a week. Two weeks in a row. That's right. And then Seattle and Arizona. So interestingly, in the last round, there's actually not too many games that are major issues, but people will be playing for final spots. We'll know a lot more. I reckon just looking at the schedule, if Cleveland can somehow win... Maybe Cincinnati, Cleveland could be that that last game. Otherwise, yeah. you know, probably maybe Miami, New England. If they if Miami's alive, if they win, or Pittsburgh you know, and Baltimore, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, that could be a good one as well. You might get Big Ben two weeks in a row. Um, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, or San Fran, LA. They're, they're probably the, the five contenders for that game, and they'll probably throw they'll probably throw maybe a gap one of those games on a Saturday as well. I would think so. Sam, anything else you wanted to talk about tonight? It's been a longer podcast night, but we've gone into John Madden and also college footy in the NFL. Anything else you wanted to mention that's been happening in and around the world? No, I just want to encourage everyone. I know it's a big night tonight, New Year's Eve, but make sure you do get up and ready to watch some college football tomorrow morning. Um, it's it's going to be a lovely day tomorrow of you know two back-to-back games, and then we launch into NFL from there. But, yeah, wishing everyone a happy happy New Year and, um, yeah, looking forward to, you know, to a really positive 2022. And who is your early favourite at this stage to be in the NBA finals? Do you have two favourites for us from East and West? Yeah, look, I think Golden State. I've really struggled. Um, I really struggled to go past Golden State. They're, they're they're so good. They're just so good. Steph Curry, um, he's an amazing player. As much as I would love to say that that my Lakers, or I should say LeBron, um, for those that know me, I've I've followed LeBron around, so I proudly wear Cleveland gear and Miami gear and Lakers gear. But, look, I think they're, they're going to be too good. And um, I, think, I think we get the matchup that we wanted. I think we get the matchup we wanted. We get Brooklyn Nets and we get uh, Golden State. Oh, I tend to agree. I think the West is a bit close. I think the East is clear separation. Um, Especially if, to- if Kyrie can, you know, can play and can get back, although he's obviously got a fair bit hanging over his head. I'd love to see Phoenix get another crack at it. I'm just not sure they can compete uh, with the Warriors, but they're, they're obviously going really well right now. And I, and I really like what 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 Ball's doing at Chicago. I think that's that's really impressive to watch as well. So maybe Dark Horse Chicago, but out of all those teams, I feel like yeah, Brooklyn and Golden State. What do you think, David? Are you, are you there? Uh, yeah, I, I I think that's right on the money. Um, I would like to see Philadelphia be more competitive, but unfortunately there's an Australian there that doesn't want to be there who can play the game. If Embiid plays the way he did last night, then they could do anything, but he's not consistent enough for mine. So, yeah, frequent fly points there going from JFK to LA. Well, David, you're a passionate baseball man. What do you think is going to happen there? That the baseball is going to get back out there anytime soon? No. I think there's going to be, if they're going to play, it'll be a shortened season. 
I, I think baseball's got a lot of trouble. Very disappointing. Very disappointing off the back of COVID. It is indeed. On behalf of San Zickman, um, mate, thank you so much for your time tonight. I know you're on there on holidays. We'll catch up next week and have another conversation. Look forward to it very much. I'll be back at work next week, unfortunately, but that's the way it goes. Thank you for your time, my friend. Thanks, Dave, and you enjoy the, uh, the few days of leave you do have with your family, and we'll catch up next week. On behalf of Sam, this is David. You take care, everybody. Look after yourself, and uh, we'll, both of us will catch up with you next week with another edition of Sam and the Big Man NFL podcast. Bye-bye.